before we get started, I just want to um, make sure that everybody has one of these sermon pages. So uh, I've got some students that are going to get some of the extra sermon pages, um, and uh, because you're going to need them. And so uh, they're going to come around. If you didn't, like, if you just got a bulletin for your family, um, go ahead and take a sermon page for uh, the other one of you that didn't get. So um, while those are going around, we'll go ahead and kind of get started. I was going to say a couple things about the video. First off, the, uh, the place where we went in Arizona, uh, uh, Angie and I, um, the people that are there are some of our best friends, uh, Tori and Kara Satter, and you'll hear the kids talk about them and their family a little bit. Um, and uh, we were at Ozark together and have known each other a long time, accountability partners, and he and I are just about as tight as any two guys can be in this world. And so uh, for me, it was, a, it was a great time to be able to go back and uh, do ministry alongside my brother. Um, the other thing is, because I don't know that it comes up, uh, the, the video at the very end of the slideshow, uh, that was at the White Sands National Monument. Some of you maybe have been there. If you've never been there, if you're ever in southern New Mexico, I highly encourage you to go there. You will be on a mind trip because there's something about it. It looks like snow. And you're driving and you start getting the white knuckle driving because it feels like you're driving on crushed snow because it's kind of dirty and it kind of crunches like snow does. And when you get out, it feels like snow. It's just not quite as cold. But you see people sledding down the hills on it. And it's because it's a different kind of a sand. It's, it's made of gypsum. And so it's super, super fine. And so it has a different kind of a feel than just regular sand does. But these dunes went on for miles. It took us 15 minutes to drive to the middle to give you an idea. And um, so I just want to tell you a little bit about that in case it didn't come up. Uh, I've always loved to explore. Absolutely love heading off on paths unknown. The strange thing about that is that often I have the... I have fears of the unknown. And so I'm not for sure what happens. I think that sometimes my excitement for the unknown eclipses my fear of the unknown, and that's why I do some of the things that I do. But usually while I'm doing them, I'm still going through, is this going to work? Is this going to happen? Um, sometimes it's always unexpected results. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Uh, once as a boy, my cousins and I wandered off. Uh, onto a path in the woods near our family's lake lots uh, near Fort Gibson. We ended up walking through a nest of seed ticks, and we had them covering our bodies by the time we made it back home. Look like, we look like a grainy video. There's nothing like a bath in bleach. I love finding hidden destinations like the time in Italy where we took a group down a path by the sea in Ancona. We had to cross a small ravine. Um, and it, by small, I mean it was, it was about this wide by about six, six feet across. But we couldn't tell how far down it went. And so we had to rock climb across to get to the other side. And I can tell you, I was freaking out even though I was excited to go on this excursion. When we got there, we found a beautiful solitary spot by the Adriatic Sea. 
and we got to worship God's creation. Another time, um, a couple of us found what looked like an enchanted garden behind an Italian storehouse that had fallen in disrepair from 100 years ago. And it, it looked like an enchanted garden because there was so much greenery above that shafts of light were piercing and, and coming down, and it was almost foggy, and it looked like an otherworldly place. There was another time where uh, we, we came down a, a path into a Jewish cemetery from a few hundred years ago that was underground, uh, under a grove of olive trees. Um, and another where we found old cannon barracks and went down inside them that was near a 500-year-old lighthouse. Uh, we found homeless camps on adventures. Angie and I went off the map in Rome one time, and I've told that story before. We went off the map, which now I can do easily, but this was our first time in Rome by ourselves, and the road should have been there, but it was apparently the Appian Way, which was 2,000 years old, and they were still showing it, but it wasn't there anymore. But along the path we went, we saw a huge homeless camp, and so we, we did get to see people. Um, and then groups of buildings uh, that were a convent, school administration from the 40s, and a World War II soldier's barracks that were three stories high, and we could explore the place. Um, and I think that's partly why we do things, even with our youth group, like the White Sands National Monument, because there's something about an adventure, there's something about um, the unknown that presses us forward. We often speak of our spiritual lives. I use this term often, actually. Um, however, it's a misnomer. Uh, it's, not, it's not really what it should be called, because the spiritual life is referring to a path that we have taken to follow Jesus. That means once we choose to follow Jesus, it's simply our life. It's spiritual because it carries more meaning than we can physically see or touch. But it's just our life. Throughout the years, I've sought different ways to illuminate my path while following Jesus, ways that help me become more like God, ways that help me feel closer to God, to listen to him and to hear his guidance. I think about soldiers going to battle. What proper soldier goes to battle without having first loaded his weapons, packed ammunition, studied a local map, gone through training, etc.? Why do we sometimes lumber through the day without sometimes even thinking of God until something goes wrong? And sometimes not even then. In the middle of the battle, it's not the time to prepare. You're either prepared or not prepared. But how does a follower of Jesus prepare for a battle or an excursion? Today we're going to talk about a few things that you can add to your life that will help you prepare for the storms to come and guide your way in following Jesus and becoming more like him. First, we're going to discuss three ideas. Then we're going to practice them together. That's why you need the sermon page. So, if you want to look at some of these verses or just jot down the references and look at them later, because we're going to fly through several scripture passages, sometimes only one verse long. 1 Peter 5, 7 starts us off. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Anxiety, care, 
worry, anxiety. It's interesting because that verse, the word anxiety, when you go back and look at what it really means, it has this idea of cares. So you could actually read this verse this way. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. His concern is for you, so therefore yours doesn't have to be. I think sometimes we go through life thinking we have to remember everything, we have to handle everything, we have to do everything. But in reality, as a follower of Jesus, you can give that to him. And that leads us to the first thing, it's on your bulletins, this idea of giving God your burdens, concerns, and gifts. This is, actually all three of these are things that I try to have as a practice uh, daily. Um, and I'm going to walk you through what that looks like. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Think about that idea of weary. It's this idea of being fatigued after hard work. You know that feeling? You've done so much and you can't do more. Sometimes I know that you and I feel that in just life. It doesn't have to just be after hard work. Burdened, to load up or to be overburdened. It's imagining extra packs on your back that, that uh, you have to feel like you have to carry. But Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew 10, 39, Jesus continues and says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There's something in that about this idea of letting go. Letting go of the control. Letting go of the things that are outside of your control. Letting go of the things in your life that you wish were different. Letting go of the things that have pained you and suffered uh, in you, in your life. The things that have haunted you from your past. Let them go. Give them to God. And sometimes it's not just as simple as a, a once type thing. Sometimes it's a daily giving it to God. Isaiah 42.5 said, this is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. Do you want life? Do you want the life that's promised? The life of abundance? I think that there are times in a believer's life where he asks, asks the question, either I'm going to try it fully Jesus' way or stop complaining that Jesus' way doesn't work. And I think that you have to hit that crossroad. And that's what leads you into deeper ownership of your faith. That's what lets you go further down the path in giving your burdens and anxieties and gifts to God. Romans 12, 5 through 8 says this, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. 
If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I'd be remiss if I didn't say a couple of things about this verse, one of which um, I think that there's sometimes a lot of confusion about that word prophesying. And in Paul's day, what was understood by that was telling the truth, forth-telling God's truth. It was very much like preaching. And so you might read it, if your gift is preaching, then preach in accordance with your faith. There's more you can study on that, and I can give you more resources if you'd like. But that's one thing that I feel like we should note to clarify for, for our study of this. The other thing that I want you to note in that uh, few verses is this idea that each of us have different gifts. And when we're giving things to God, we shouldn't just be dumping on him all of the negative things that are going on in our life. We should be saying, God, here's a gift you've given me, and I want to use it for your kingdom. You don't have to wait to go forward at a conference or to come forward on a Sunday morning. You just take the gifts that God's given them and use them for his kingdom. And sometimes daily, you have to give them over to him. I can tell you it makes you humble if you keep giving him those gifts with the realization that without him, you would have none of those. Without him, you would have nothing good in your life. Galatians 5, 13 and 14 says this. Its little title in the NIV is Life by the Spirit. Might be one way that we could talk about what we're talking about today. Paul writes to the the church in Galatia, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. As you have opportunities to use the gifts that God's given you, as you have opportunities to serve, serve for the Lord. And you may have to give that to him each day. All right, the second part of this preparing daily is this idea of being still and knowing God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He is the Lord and creator of the universe. He is your creator, but he's created everything. Know who he is. And sometimes we fill our lives with so much chaos and noise that we don't stop to be in awe of God. We don't stop to just know him and his truth and to meditate on his truth. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Things outside of your control are outside of your control, but just be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't worry. You've already given him your concerns Now just wait for him. Habakkuk 2, 19 through 20 says this. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life. Or to lifeless stone, 
wake up. You know, he's talking about idols here. Woe to the people who believe in these things made of wood and stone. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver, yet there is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. There's something that we don't often get in today's culture, silence. Usually because it's outside of our control. But sometimes it's because we need to carve the time out for silence before the Lord. Zechariah 2.13 says, Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. It goes on to tell a not-so-great thing happening to some people in those verses. But to be still before the Lord, no matter. Psalm 49.3, My mouth will speak of words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. Psalm 104.34, May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 19.14, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There's a time for speaking the words of God and there's a time for meditating on them. That leads us to our third section. This idea of speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We get this initially from the life of Samuel. And in 1 Samuel 3, 8 through 9, we find young Samuel living at the temple because his mother had dedicated his life to God. And here he is, a young boy, and the Lord's calling out to him, but Samuel thinks it's his master Eli. And he keeps going to Eli. And Eli says, I didn't call you, Samuel. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed, comes back again. I didn't call you, Samuel. Go back to bed. Starting in verse 8 of 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says, A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. You notice you didn't hear in his voice exasperation. You didn't hear frustration. He just is ready to please the one who's calling him. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. That was at a period of the Old Testament when the Lord spoke into their lives at points of purpose. And the Holy Spirit came on the people at points of importance and, and to guide certain people. But we live under the new contract, the new covenant. We live under the period of the blood of Jesus and the redemption of sins. We live with the Holy Spirit in us. We don't have to wait for him to call us. He's called us. So what that means for us is to go to God and say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Psalm 4, 3-4 through says, Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. 
The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. John 10.27, Jesus says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God talks to us in many different ways. Many of you might be thinking, I've never actually heard Jesus say something audibly to me. I've never heard an audible voice either. But I can tell you many times where I felt the impression of his Holy Spirit on my life. I felt the nudge, and it was clear of what God was calling me to do, or to change, or to say, or to be convicted about. God speaks today to those that follow him. We have to provide him times, because sometimes he speaks in a whisper. And if we filled our lives with everything else that's going on, we'll miss it. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the things, his creation around us. His word, we see, speaks to us through that in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Romans 8, 14 says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. This week, I would encourage you to take those three questions there, reflection, and talk about that with yourself, with your spouse, with your family. When will I plan time for praying and listening to God this week? When has my prayer life been stronger in my life? Why do you think that is? When have... I or you heard from the Lord. All right, so now I want to transition from talking about this to doing this. So if you turn your, your paper over, your sermon notes over, this is the exercise. And I hope you have a pen. Um, there's some pens in the chairs in front of you. And we're going to spend a little bit of time going through this. And if you wanted to put this into your daily practice, you wouldn't need a, a paper like this. You can just simply write the titles that are there, and just do it. So the first thing, I want you to spend some time in that first box, and I want you to write down any worry or thing or people or gift that's on your mind that you want to give to God. Maybe it's something distracting you. Maybe it's something that's just gnawing at you. And, and I can tell you, this is, these are practices that I do, and there's some things that I just write down once. And there's some things I have to write down every day. And that's frustrating because I don't want to be that kind of a follower. But I also know that Jesus has given us grace and mercy. And sometimes that is the act of imperfectiness. So go ahead and take the time to, to do that right now. I'll give, you, I'll give you a minute or two to write down any worry, thing, people, or gift that you want to give to God.
I can tell you that the first time I did this, I wrote 65 things down. I think I had a lot that I was trying to keep control of or it was on my mind. And over time, it, it is lessened. And I usually would have anywhere from 6 to 12 things. Some things are things that if you flip through my notebook, you'll see, ooh, Matt's been writing that one down every day this week. And some things I've written down a few times, and I've been able to move forward. And I've seen the growth of God in my life as I've continued to give these things to God. Good things, talents, gifts, abilities, not so good things, temptations, sin, distraction, and maybe even things that feel somewhere in the middle that maybe aren't good or bad like money, but the worry of that could certainly be. The second thing, be still and know. And here in a second when we start, there's, there's going to be a little bit of music playing in the background, but it's quiet, it's, it's uh, instrumental, there's no words to kind of help you focus. And um, basically what... What I would call you to do is to put your hands out in front of you on your lap, and with your eyes closed, breathe in and out 10 times, and as you breathe in, think the thought, you call me, and as you breathe out, think the thought, pray the thought, I want to follow. You're breathing in and out, these breathing prayers. You can use your fingers to remember, at home, I would just set a timer so that I don't have to focus on anything outside of what I'm focused on. But go ahead and spend a little bit of time doing that now. As you come out of that, you may feel a little bit more relaxed. And I can tell you that when all you are is sitting quietly, depending on God for your oxygen, and just that action that he has put in you, in your body of breathing in and out, there's something very relaxing about that. And it's helping you to move forward and to let go of the things you need to let go and to just know God. That's a form of meditation. Uh, as you meditate, you can do it like this with a truth, something that you know to be true from God's word or something that you want to commit to. 
It could be something, um, a verse. Lord, you were in your holy temple. You breathe in and you breathe out. And you breathe in and you breathe out. And you might do this longer than 10 breaths. You might do it three, five, six minutes. I would challenge you to consider that a way to meditate on God's truth, God's word. The last one there, that last box, I just want you to sit quietly for a bit. And then I want you to write down a response to your mind as you tell God, speak, Lord. I'm listening. Your servant is listening. Write a note from God's perspective to you. Maybe it's a truth from God's word. Maybe it's direct scripture. Maybe it's something you know you need to hear that falls in line with God's word. God is never going to tell you something in this time that goes against his word. But his Holy Spirit's in you. Give him an opportunity to speak to you. So right now, just focus on that box. Ask God to speak because you're listening. And write down the godly thoughts that come to mind. And that last box you can fill out at some time this morning. Um, you can journal some thoughts. Um, if you're artistic like me, you can sketch something that reminds you of these ideas and these prayers. An, an act of worship is using anything that you've got to honor him. And you can do that in that box. We are going to kind of transition into another point in uh, our service and kind of talk a little bit more about our missions trip. But I would encourage you guys to, uh, to find time for some of these practices in your life.